Welcome to the Beyond Capital podcast. In our purpose-driven world, leadership is increasingly crucial. Now, more than ever, stakeholders are demanding the integration of social values and causes in everything from shoes to soap to investments. We are bringing you the stories of leaders that are marrying profit with purpose. I'm Eva Yazari, CEO of Beyond Capital. And I'm Ed Stevens, CEO of Appreciate. And this is the Beyond Capital podcast. Welcome today. Our guest is Chris Herbert, the CEO of Shine, Shine Bathroom. Shine Bathroom elevates the bathroom experience with automatic cleaning and intelligent water monitoring. Chris is a serial entrepreneur, previously founder of a successful electronics company called Tracker. You might have heard of it. I use it to not lose my keys. And Chris's background is in electrical engineering, and he's a surfer who rips and shreds. Great to have you here, Chris. <laughs> hey, thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Um, and uh, thanks for uh, mentioning that I rip and shred at surfing, even though I'm usually just falling off my board. <laughs> <laughs> That's better than me, who can't surf at all. <laughs> so cool. well, welcome, Chris. Let's dive in. Um, what I love about what I loved about learning about Shine Bathroom is that you and the team uh, around you that founded the company were motivated by a challenge to integrate software into the bathroom, which is a place that you say takes better care of us. So, can you t- give us the story behind how you felt that the bathroom experience could be improved? So I traveled a good amount in Asia. Um, and my wife's family still lives out there. And it's something when you travel outside the U.S., you see how these little things are different than how we live. And the bathrooms really stuck out to me as they had a sense of automation, a sense of cleanliness, out, in, especially in Japan, that we didn't have here. And it seemed weird that the U.S. didn't have some of these features like automatically heating up your shower tub remotely and some of the different electronic features on toilets and cleaning. And I really start to dive in, well, kind of what, why is that? And, and is there just not demand? And I've found that it's this thing where the use, the bathroom in the U.S. hasn't really changed in a century. I was shocked to go back in history and see photos from bathrooms uh, before the First World War and see a modern bathroom and see they're almost exactly the same. Nothing has really changed in a century in the U.S. And, you know, I get it. If it ain't broken, don't fix it. However, consumers' use, consumers' need of the room has shifted from basic hygiene at the end of the day to preparing ourselves for the world at the beginning of the day. Really, I saw that every great day starts with preparing ourselves in the bathroom. So wondering how we can elevate ourselves, elevate ourselves to face the world, to prepare ourselves for the meetings at work or just dropping off the kids by kind of using automation and software into the bathroom. Yeah, I'm, I'm always astounded that in the developing world where I work, there's almost a leapfrog of technology when it comes to bathrooms and how waste is dealt with. Um, I'd love to know a little bit more about what that automation looks like. Is it? Could you paint a picture for us of what the product that you're that you've 
brought to market looks like? So when we started to think about what that bathroom of the future is, right, what's the 21st century bathroom experience, and it's really something that is always ready for us so we can be ready for the world. And But here we are stuck today with a bathroom that, you know, we have to spend a bunch of time and use a bunch of chemicals to clean every week, sometimes every month. I know college kids are like once a year, but then there's also right before mom visits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right before mom visits, there's the bad dash cleanup. But then there, then these, these toilets are amazing um, pieces of technology. But um, most of them, um, when something goes wrong, consumers have no idea what ha- what's wrong, and you know, and then supplies are running out, uh, and things break. So if we can automate that experience to have a perfectly clean bathroom in a bathroom that's always functional and working, I think that's the first step to preparing ourselves for the world and then making sure, hey, you always have toilet paper, you always have shampoo, things are automatically stocked, and then really making sure that we can have a bathroom that is preparing us and using automation to take care of us. So. Of all that big vision, our first product is called a bathroom assistant. It's really simple. Uh, It's a little device about the size of an Echo. kind of looks like a Brita filter. And you stand it anywhere next to your toilet. Um, And you have a little sensor that wraps around that metal um, water line on the toilet. just clips right on. You don't need screws or anything. And it clips onto the toilet bowl with another sensor as well. You put um, water in the bathroom assistant has a little tank like a Brita filter, put water in it. And what we do is we use, we send a current through the water to transform regular tap water into electrolyzed water, which is actually a powerful cleaning agent, as powerful as bleach, just unstable. And after every flush, we detect flush and we spray and clean the bath the toilet. So you don't need to clean your toilet again. Um, and best of all, we remove um all that chemicals going into our water supplies, into the ocean, uh, because this electrolyzed water just returns back to a saline solution after use. So chemical-free cleaning. Is that like and, is that like ozone, similar to ozone, or um, you know, in that it's uh, kind of uh, oxidative? But what what is you say electrolyzed? Is just kind of more of an unstable water. So what we're doing is we have basically salt. Um, Two elements. We have H2O, water, and salt, NaCl. And uh, these are uh, two molecules that when we send a current through, we can actually separate these molecules and then we recombine them as sodium hydroxide in hypochlorous acid, HClO, which is the active ingredient. And it's a powerful as bleach and cleaning and then five times more powerful than like regular um, deodorizing products in terms of deodorizing effects as well. So, and it cleans, reacts, and then it goes back into a saline solution. And because it's unstable, you can't buy it at stores. But this stuff is, um, this stuff has been around for a while. Um, going back to Japan is where it was first used back in the 80s uh, for cleaning things, like sushi, actually. So they spray it on fish. It cleans off the sushi, so it removes bacteria from sushi so you can eat it. Um, we're just using it now in You mentioned one of your motivations of using this type of cleaning 
is so that chemicals don't get into the water stream and into the oceans. That's where we kind of come to see a little bit more of the environmental impact of your business. Does that drive you to, was that a driver for you when starting the company? Well, I think it was, um, I, th- I think that as a surfer, someone who loves outdoors, if we can be, I think a better product is better for the environment. I think it's, I think that for a while people, it's, people see sometimes is okay, this is product is it's, we're focusing on the environment, but we didn't really focus there in our product development. We just saw it as a baseline and by enabling, and we could have used a bunch of other cleaners, but we saw this technology as something that's much, much better. And if you think about, you know, how much bleach you use in just like a city, like, like LA with a million households every month, think about how much bleach is just going out into the ocean having unknown effects on the microorganisms there. That's something that we, we thought about a bit. And then we were shocked to see just how much water is wasted. Um, the toilet toilets in their home uh, account for most of the water consumption. In a leaking toilet, um, a lot of toilets are actually silently leaking right now. One in five toilets right now in the U.S. are leaking. Um, people just don't know about it. And it, they waste up to 200 gallons of water a day. Um, Leaks like this can contribute to about a trillion gallons of water wasted every year by U.S. single-family homes. That's a big number. So what a trillion gallon of water is, is imagine you left your shower running. That's leaving your shower running for a million years. So basically imagine a shower running since the dawn of man till now. That's a trillion gallons of water. That's what it looks like. How many gallons of water get consumed per year or are produced per year in the U.S., just like by, you know, for homes and, and commercial usage? Uh, we're, we're going into, we're going into uh, I think, hundreds of, of trillions of gallons. There's a lot in agriculture. There's a lot in consumer homes, commercial. Um, it's the, I mean, water, humans use a lot of water. Um, and... For that use, and we have critical things, you know, a trillion gallons does have, you know, an effect on it, but it has it, I, I think, really on just in drought areas where we have the biggest effects versus mm-hmm. across the nation. Um, and thinking about how much water supply, how mu- if you can reduce a little bit of the water, water leakage just in states like L.A. or in, throughout Arizona, Texas, um, I think there can have a positive impact in those areas. And how does how does your your product um, prevent or reduce water leaks in toilets? So that little sensor that we've attached to the water line, we're monitoring the toilet flush patterns and water usage, and we're kind of using it like a, a stethoscope on a heart is we're measuring the patterns on the toilet and in the water usage. And so we can estimate the water usage, but then we can also determine, hey, there's a leak there. Um, But talking to our users, um, we found a bigger opportunity is not just telling you you have a leak, but actually demystifying the problem, right? Not just turning on the check engine light, but telling you what exactly is the cause. We do that so we can detect a silent leak, for example, 
say, hey, your toilet's slightly leaking. And then we sent you a free uh, repair kit as well. They can fix your toilet yourself without having to call a plumber and wait around all day. I love the idea of having a bathroom assistant. Is there is there anything else that, that this... One that doesn't expect a tip. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Is there anything else that that this assistant does to either help consumers economize or help with saving water or the environment? So I think that we're really starting off with these two main features is, hey, chemical-free automated cleaning and then detect leaks, track your water usage, and, and automate that maintenance of the toilet. And then we have little features, right, of course, just um, we have to enable you to ask Amazon Echo to ask Amazon Echo to clean your toilet. And then we have a kind of a nightlight feature just so you can keep your sleep patterns at night as well. So the device automatically lights up in the evening. So you don't need to turn on the lights if you use the restroom in the evening. But the cool thing is, is that it's an expandable hub that we can plug in different devices into in the future as we develop more products around the bathroom. So what are some other ways that you see tech improving our lives in the bathroom or in other places in the near term? So I think that the bathroom has a lot of opportunities. Um, I think that there's the entire automation side of, hey, okay, let's make sure, take this automated clean um, technology to things like the bathtub, shower, sinks, um, and just buy back a little bit at that time as well as the automated maintenance side to the fixtures too. But I think there's other opportunities to actually start to measure the wellness seamlessly and start to really help users prepare that. So having a um, detecting weight through uh, things like um, a toilet seat, or you could do things like having integrating a mirror to actually help you better prepare yourself for the day. Um, I think those sorts of things um, have huge opportunities and could have huge impact on our lives. Well, I was curious about one thing, Chris, which was, um, you know, you said that you didn't, you didn't, um, correct me if I'm wrong, I think you said if, you know, you didn't necessarily start off with the idea of, um, you know, the, the, envir- the environmental um, purpose and value being as strong as it was, although maybe you've, you said you viewed that as table stakes. Um, so my question was, you know, when you first, you know, got your your team together, got your first investors together, um, was that something that they were already aware of? Or as you sort of went from, you know, product conception and through your kind of early seed work with the company, um, did you have to bring them along and help them understand that the company was going to be for, focusing more on this kind of, you know, um, non-chemical cleaning and 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 uh, saving water messaging? Was there a shift that was required, or was that there from the beginning? It was a. I think I think it was a a big shift and a natural shift. Is um, in the consumer space, we really follow um, the consumer demand. And, and you talk to people to understand what they really want. Um, uh, and you, we start off asking basic questions to people. And, and then sometimes um, just asking silly questions. The, one of the most insightful questions for getting us to the, 
to that entire environmental side was we asked consumers, if your bathroom was capable of performing magic like Harry Potter, what would it do? And I think that's where we got people is, oh, it'd clean itself, right? Um, you can imagine uh, that Fantasia uh, cartoon, right, with Mickey Mouse controlling the broom and stuff to automatically clean uh, the castle for him. That, that's a dream. And so we start to dive in on how we can make that dream possible. And then looking at the technologies, we saw, hey, we could do this in a chemical-free way. And we, in talking to consumers, there was a, there's a huge concern about the environment and the impact that we're having on the environment um, and how we could actually enable consumers to not only enjoy the benefits of automated cleaning, but also being part of a solution and being part of a movement. And I think when a product becomes something more than just a tool um, that people use, but something that signifies that they're part of a core value, um, part of a movement, part of something that, that means something more, right? A Tesla owner is not just having fast car anymore, right? They're part of a movement towards, you know, a, not a dependency on oil and gas. It means something more. They're into solar, right? And it stands for something. So I, th I think that's important for products. And when you tell that story to investors, you know, that's, that, that, that takes a company to be much more fundable, much more interesting as well, um, as it is the future. And, and so where are you in your funding history? Um, to what extent that's public? Uh, right now, we're uh, bootstrapped. Um, and uh, we're hopefully going to be able to um, uh, announce something in the couple, couple weeks, talking to folks. But um, it's uh, funding for uh, hardware companies, you know, it's in fundraising. It's a challenge, as always. <laughs> right. Yeah, but I think you tell this, you tell us the story quite compellingly and, and also even the anecdote about the, the Harry Potter bathroom, I think, shows that, that your product really is and your company really is a part of a movement. I was really struck by the desire to have the bathroom assistant be a long-lasting product. I am, you know, for me, a tech consumer, I feel like my iPhone or, and other devices are, you know, probably have a shelf life, and I'm, I'm used to that. I'm almost trained for that. But it really did stand out to me that you look to have the bathroom assistant be a longer-lasting product. Yeah, I think as in consumer electronics, I think there's... Um, I, th I think that we have a responsibility to make our products last longer and have them be replaceable. Um, so we we had our, our battery unit can be is rechargeable six months, and then it's actually detachable, so we can actually have that be switched on. The consumer doesn't need to buy one, it, a new one like a Apple products and that. And so I think those. Um, I think that business model of, um, you know, forced uh, depreciation or, or, you know, forcing users to switch off and that, oh, this product will break in a couple of years and then we'll get them to buy another one. I, I think it's, uh, I, I think it's going out of style. And I, I think it was a short-lived trend 
but um, it, that just doesn't feel like a, the future for a sustainable model. Do you offer any lifespan? I, I, I was just thinking as you were saying that, you know, um, you know, back in the day, uh, I, I used to work at my parents' furniture store, and I remember when I was learning how to sell furniture, we would we would explain to people how, you know, the construction of this particular sofa would make it last longer and, um, you know, they'd get more value out in the long term. And, and people would actually respond to that and buy. And then, you know, as, as things would go on, you know, now uh, a lot of people would go and buy a piece of furniture at, you know, Pottery Barn or some other places where they really wouldn't even think about the construction. And the construction in those places is not necessarily... Um, the most long term, um, so so I I actually do agree that that um, you know pendulum will will probably shift back towards you know longevity and construction and kind of features and benefits. I'm wondering, do you expect to surface that, and in, in what ways do you expect to talk about that with customers other than you know you can change the battery, which um, probably doesn't drive that point home as strongly as uh, more you know, direct value around the longevity of the product, like 20 year warranty or, you know, something. Yeah. I don't think that's what you'd be going for either, but um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that's where we are seeing these business models evolve to is for hardware companies, it's not subscription. And I think that's where we're going to be offering is saying, Hey, this shine unlimited plan, you can get, um, uh, plumbing, um, the free, um, you know, uh, toilet repair kits with that. And then we can also have there is, Hey, as long as you're subscribed to this, we can offer any free repair kits, uh, for the device. And it's a nice alignment when you have a subscription, um, attached to a hardware device because the, the company side, you're financially incentivized to keep the user active, to keep the user using your product. Versus when you don't have a subscription, you, you're financially incentivized to have the user buy another product. Um, and I think we're seeing this across the industry with companies like Peloton um, and, of course, um, Apple's recent moves. But it's a, I think that's a good alignment, and that's where we're really playing to um, highlight that, hey, um, we have the parts can be easily replaced so that as long as you're subscribed, we'll make sure that we'll fix any problems that occur. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's a nice mutual alignment, right? As long as the consumer's getting the value, we want to keep on delivering the value and keep them active as the user. In the process of creating a product that's environmentally uh, at least responsible or sustainable and also long-lasting. Have you come across any challenges with sourcing materials for the bathroom assistant? Yeah, there's, I think that we have been, I mean, the type of plastics technology out there is still very much so limited and trying to create, I think um, we have, little pods that we want uh, we're having trying to engineer to be compostable um being recyclable plastic isn't hard to make but finding uh, compostable materials and the new materials that are coming out there um they're just they're hard to work with they're hard to produce at scale
scale. Um, and there's also the design requirements from consumers, which makes certain uh, products, certain materials uh, just uh, uh, unavailable as a consumer. They, they don't look great. Um, so I think there's a lot of challenges, but also I think there's a lot of opportunities to partner with different vendors on those materials and see how, how can we, you know, how can we push the envelope? How can we engineer certain parts to be more environmentally responsible? Um, it, 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 I, I think that's a challenge for the entire consumer electronics industry. Um, and, you know, it, it's also, I think, an awareness thing for consumers to start to um, ask that and demand that of, of companies. Because if there's demand, uh, consumer electron companies will, will definitely offer it. Um, but it, 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 it's, it's a tough spot right now for those materials. And what do you think about packaging? Like, I, I always wonder why, um, you know, I mean, you see some trends with packaging being reduced, like with laundry detergent and some things like that, where they've gone to high concentration, which makes a lot of sense. At least they're not diluting the product, so it can just be in a bigger container. Um, so, so I think in some of the CPG stuff, we see that happening. Um, have you seen any trends in consumer electronics with respect to packaging and plastic? Um, I've seen... On consumer electronics, I think that the packaging in terms of being environmentally friendly has has gone in the complete opposite direction as it should go. Um, we're seeing we're seeing a lot of companies and startups try to emulate Apple's packaging. The unboxing um, experience. That unboxing experience. And I think and it's unfortunate because they, there's a lot of material, a lot of dollars spent on that initial unboxing experience. And however, all that stuff goes to the garbage um, and mostly to landfills. It's mostly not recycled. And, and, that, and there's more and more of this complex packaging being delivered. Now, um, I think that and traditionally with retail, um, pretty packaging really matters. Um, and there's been, and you do a lot of work on the packaging of in retail because that's really your, your traditionally been your billboard. I think there's an opportunity with going direct to consumer and selling online on Amazon where you, you can definitely go with more eco-friendly packaging. And I'm, I'm interested to experiment with shine in delivering an eco-friendly packaging and actually in stating that and making sure the consumer is aware of, you know, Hey, it's, it's not this beautiful, you know, white box, Apple-esque unboxing experience, but this is actually better for the environment. Plus now you're going to be reducing the water leaks. Plus you're going to be reducing your chemical usage and starting to talk about that. To the consumer, so they're aware of their choices because consumers have no idea of it. It's not something people think about or discuss at dinner time about which packaging is the most eco friendly. It's a it's a pre dry conversation. <laughs> um, like, uh, it matters when you think about how much how much 
customers are buying in every year in that usage. Yeah, I so I wonder if the social impact at your company surprised you in any way. Well, um, <laughs> yeah, I was. I mean, I'm. I was. Uh, I'm an outsider to the bathroom industry and plumbing industry um, looking at this problem. So I was surprised by most of the environmental impacts that um, we we saw from opportunities. I never really thought about the cleaning solutions that I was dumping into the toilet um, and how that flows out and how many gallons that's flowing out into our water supply. Um, we're literally polluting our water supply, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. Um, and I, I didn't really, and of course, I had no idea about these uh, leaks and the water consumption. I mean, and I had no idea what a silent leak is. It's where the toilet is actually silently leaking in the background. So if you have a toilet and it might just, you might hear it turn on randomly, like in the middle of the night or so, it goes and then turns off. Um, that means you have a silent leak. It's wasting about 200 gallons of water a day. And uh, it's a quick uh, three-minute fix. No tools really needed. You just need a, a new flapper valve. Um, I had no idea about these different problems that were occurring. And and so, you know, I was surprised about how much opportunity there is. And I'm excited to see what other opportunities come up um, as we're, we're just getting started. It's a young company. Got it. I know that your company also has pretty strong core values, uh, being customer-centric, the fact that data makes life better, being curious about how to improve everything and elevating the ordinary. Do you see a connection between these strong values and your ability to go beyond the ordinary bathroom experience in a way that does have a social impact? Well, I think that we're, I think the two big driving values, uh, or I mean, uh, they all combine in um, with, developing these products and having and that have an impact is we, I mean, everything we do, we start with the customer and, um, when people ask me, um, you know, who, who came up with this, um, idea of the bathroom assistant, um, I, it's kind of the customer that actually came up with the idea. We were just asking them what to do and this is how the product kind of evolved. And I think when you start with a customer and you start to really get curious about what they're saying and not just hear the, the overall what words they've said, but the reasons why and their underlying desires of why, and then you can impact that with data you develop these interesting solutions um, that, that go beyond just, hey, I, um, I, I want to clean my toilet. Here's the, to- here's the chemical. Use that but really knowing that it's about caring about the family and how can you do that better through a cleaning experience. And, and so that, that's, that's how we have, have driven the product development around. How for you does doing good and make money and making money at the same time feel when you wake up in the morning or go to bed at night? I mean, it's not a 
about the money. It's about the impact, right? I, I, I think that's why you, you start a company is the impact. And, and the money is the measurement of the impact. And, and, and that's, that's what gets you. Um, you know, I think that, I think there's a lot of assumptions that these businesses are just out trying to make money when the entrepreneurs behind it, there's, there's a lot better, easier ways to make money. Um, go work in wall street. Right. Um, I think these businesses and starting it, it's about having an impact. And I really see that the bathroom as something that we use every day that, for me is somewhere where I get solace and I'm able to prepare myself for the day to think and to actually plan. Um, I think that you can have a huge impact on people's lives by making that experience just a little bit better, just a little bit more seamless. Chris, I'm curious when, um, when you go to the, you know, uh, you know, national association of bathroom suppliers, or whatever acronym they have in, in that industry for the annual trade show. Um, mm -hmm. You know, when you, when you meet people, when you talk to people, the, the press, the, you know, possible customers, distributors, um, you know, are, 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 you know, are they, are they like, you know, receiving this really well? Or do you feel like that industry has, um, you know, really just, is behind the times. Like what is your experience? You said you're an outsider looking into that. Now that's, you know, decreasingly going to be the case. Was it initially, you know, awkward and uncomfortable or was it sort of like people were saying, Oh, finally somebody is doing something new. What, what was it like? Honestly, I think it, I, I, I was surprised by how warm the reception was. I think people are really excited about that kind of innovation and it's, it is, it's been a traditional industry, um, but there have been a lot of innovations in plumbing, and there's a really, really keen eye on design. And but the, I think there's people are looking for something new. People are really trying to enable their customers, the consumers, new home builders, to differentiate themselves. And the problem has been, and is that the tech world has kind of ignored the bathroom um in america i across the globe really um uh, i mean there's people uh think of um toto as really innovative and they're definitely be um innovative in terms of a lot of the stuff they do but their their washlet technology was i think the first patents in the 70s for that main technology and so we're not yet, um, we're, it's very much so lacking any kind of software. And so, you know, with a simple thesis of, hey, Shine, we're going to improve the functions of the bathroom by integrating software into the space um, and, you know, to help the room be automated so you can better prepare for the day, people are like, oh, that's awesome. And a lot of people have thought about this and thought about what is possible, but they haven't had a startup, they haven't had a team dedicated to bring that innovation to market and just trying something new. Um, off, oftentimes I'd walk into a uh, investor pitch 
and there was already preconceived ideas of what they were going to see, what they were going to hear. And a lot of times where they were, people were just joking about the bathroom as, you know, making, making uh, potty jokes and all that. When, when that, I don't see that's what the bathroom is. I don't think, I think it's a place where we can truly be ourselves to get a handle on our day ahead. And, and I think the bathroom is a place where, you know, we can really elevate um, ourselves as human beings. You know, it's where we take care of ourselves. I love that. My bathroom is probably one of my favorite places to be in my home. So we're definitely on the same page. The one thing that I know from my work at Beyond Capital is that having access to a bathroom is not always a given. And it's often a source of dignity for somebody who's living in a developing country. Is there a way that you could see shine product and the bathroom assistant possibly being translated to other markets? Well, I think that the electrolyzed water um, cleaning um, technology is, is really interesting. And I've been tracking um, what uh, the Melinda Gates Foundation has been doing in terms of improving um, uh, sanitation in the developing world. And uh, most of, um, it's hard to think about, but uh, there's, um, uh, there's a good portion of the world population that actually doesn't have access to um, basic plumbing, basic toilets, basic, doesn't have access to a bathroom. Um, and even in the West, um, most people um, until um, the 50s, actually, about 40% of the population until like 1950 in the U.S. didn't have access to an in-home bathroom. Uh, they had an outhouse, uh, was far more common. So this is a new development. And I think that if we can help that with, by either participating with nonprofits or I think using our technology and applying this electrolyzed cleaning water clean solution in the bathroom to um, help with sanitation, um, I, I think that can have a nice impact. Um, no solid plans yet, just ideas at the current standpoint. Cool. That would be really cool. You might need a hand crank pump or something for the electrical component of it, but... Hey, battery powered. Yeah. Uh, Solar powered. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I mean, there's a lot of recharge stations and all that. And that's, that's huge in the developing world because most, um, I I have no idea, but most uh, people without electricity have cell phones. So, um, it is a, it's, they have access to charging stations. So it's, it's interesting to see that opportunity. Looking out 10 years, Chris, what mark do you think you and Shine Bathroom will leave on the world? Um, I think that 10 years out, I want to create a bathroom experience that where everyday consumers, the middle class, can have a place to retreat to, to get some headspace in the beginning of the day. And the 
that they can actually have a spot that they can enjoy and get some peace out of and prepare themselves and, and just have a little bit of less stress in their life. Um, and I mean, that's what the bathroom means for me is, you know, it's where I, where I think, where I get a little bit of time to myself before heading out into the world beyond. If I think, and if I think that if I could share that with the world in a small way, I think it think make people a little bit happier, a little bit calmer. And, and I, I think that's what I'd hope people experience out of our products. A more energetic shower experience, creating more ideas. Cause that's where a lot of people get their best ideas. It's, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's a place of, I mean, there's all these meditation apps that are trying to help people meditate, but people aren't actually doing it, whether it's in the shower or just, you know, putting on their makeup for the day. They're thinking and they're, they're ideating, they're processing. Um, and I, I think it's a unique opportunity for us to improve that space for the use of the 21st century versus just basic hygiene. Um, so it'll be an interesting journey that we're going to go on here um, and, and see, I think, also how the bathroom evolves and consumers' ideas of what the bathroom could be evolve as well. Awesome. You've, you've absolutely opened our minds. Thank you, Chris, for explaining the practical, social, and environmental impacts that you and your company and our own bathrooms can have on our lives. It's been great to have you. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Good luck. Thank you. Bye. Once again, it's clear that a business leader with good intentions can create an impressive social, environmental, and ethical impact. There is always a way to put meaning behind the mission of a company, and we can all make a difference. You've taken the first step by listening to the Beyond Capital podcast. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to rate, review, And if you haven't yet, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. For more information, go to beyondcapitalpodcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter at EA Stevens. And follow me on Instagram at Conscious Investor. Until next time. Bye, everyone.